Hey, and welcome to the Aloha Church Podcast. We believe that full life is found in Jesus. And after this message, if you have any questions, please engage with us over social media or connect with us on a Sunday morning. We so hope you enjoy this message. Whatever you do, whatever we're doing, we do so much throughout the week. Thank you that you're here worshiping. We are bounded in love. Say love. Ah, feels good. Um, Speaking of love and family and all these babies and trying to get you to, before you have kids, go practice on all these new kids, right? Um, I have four kids in there. Practice. You just, you know, just practice rules. You know, go to your room. Um, or before they're born, go to your womb. Uh, dad joke. <laughs> we mentioned that um, on behalf of saying thank you, we mentioned that we've just completed our, our third survey. It's, it's still up there. The last one was about like just leadership. And to be honest, it's, it's tough when you open yourself up for feedback, right? Like everybody knows what we're doing and of course they're going to, and you just, you open yourself up like, oh my goodness, because it's anonymous and you're like, oh, but you guys are so gentle and kind. And um, we really do see a heart of um, deep relationships, the Bible calls it um, chesed, right, Gabriel? He speaks Hebrew, right? I got it. I know a couple of Hebrew words, bro, Bible college. It's this secure, safe, loving attachments. It really engages people, and this is how people really grow, both like formal education and then spiritual formation, which is caught without the love and secure, safe, loving relationships. It's just can be education. And when Trish and I really um, um, started Aloha Church, it was started in our living room. And we just wanted to be a loving, safe environment. I was a youth pastor for many, many years at a large church, and I know I had to, safety was like safe. It can have fun, but be safe. And that's kind of me. I'm kind of cautious, and I like to, um, I'm like a guardian by nature, a dad by nature, um, just a father to people, a coach. So I love having a safe environment because everything that we do from loving relationships flows out of love, right? If we don't do things out of love, then the Bible says we're just a sounding gong show, right? We're just clanging cymbal. So whatever we do outside of here and the ministry we do are things that have to be done in love and rooted in love. Aloha means love. It's face-to-face loving relationships. So thank you guys for uh, being, participating in the uh, survey. Um, there's one still up there. And again, survey says thank you. Um, the first four years of Aloha, outside of like those two years of like the pandemic and not meeting here, it seems like we had to plant the church twice right? We planted, it was awesome, and then a lot of people in PB and this nature of this, they kind of cycle through Aloha, Aloha, and then new people come. So it's, we're always trying to, to bring people in and, and love on them. I know you're here for a little bit, which then takes us into kind of phase two, maybe, or phase five, whatever, another phase of moving from these relationships of like an informal, spiritual formation, loving, secured, into more of a, a formal discipleship. Discipleship is a big buzzword in churches, right? I like to think we're discipling people into relationships more than discipling you into like doing a task. Sign up and do the task on a team and do it. And, and, and okay, there's that part. But as we, as we grow, as we take more steps of faith, this helps us allocate resources 
uh, depending on kind of where, where we are as, as a church. Like you're telling us, hey, we love this church and we want maybe like training and equipping and, and some, some outreach stuff. So as we look towards this year, we're taking some steps of faith and um, allocating resources and, and trying new things. Is that good? All to support what Aloha is doing. It's great. So give it up for that. Thank you guys so much. I'm a little nervous. I spoke on becoming people with a non-anxious presence last Sunday. <laughs> and to be honest, this week, Tuesday and Wednesday, I feel like I had like incredible, like an anxiety attack. Trish and I had to leave. We left our kids. We went to Oceanside just to be away and pray. Uh, my son has a, a huge surgery coming up on Thursday that just like I couldn't sleep that night. It's all these things in the next phase of Aloha. And I was like just having to like walk on the beach. I took my surfboard. I didn't surf. I didn't get to surf, but I had it there. I was like, it's okay. It's okay, girl. You're good. It's like my security blanket, right? My surfboard. I got you. You're so good. It's fine. We're going to be okay. I'm going to be on a date with Trish, you know, but... So all to say, like these messages oftentimes are for me. This is what God is doing in my life, and I'm and we're sharing it, and that's how that goes. So I don't know what I'm talking about next week. I know it's going to be about, I love this word becoming. It means that we're on a journey, right? We're becoming people. We're on a journey because it's not in the, the destination of arriving. It's like we're all on this journey. Some of us start from different places, right? Different backgrounds, different places. Maybe it's trauma or family background or like, a different kind of a church background, wherever it is. So we're becoming these people through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Amen? I love that. Well, speaking of family and babies, um, I find it appropriate to share with you some of our family pictures. Is that okay? I know it sounds like a dad thing, but, but when I say like family picture, my vision of family picture is like we're on the beach by Scripps Pier, Here's a good sunset, ready family, bam, selfie, send it on a card. Right, dads? That sounds epic. No real thought. People aren't paying attention. Take a, take, take a couple selfies, filter it. Perfect. But Trish <laughs> has a different kind of vision for family pictures. Right? She has a different vision. I didn't know this. And she said, we're going to do 10 years of family pictures. We're like on year eight. So got two more years, I think, because after like we turned 50, I'm like, I want to see myself on a picture. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So let me show you uh, this year's family picture, which does, does take um, Joel's sister has been doing this since she was 15, been taking apart our family pictures. So she's incredible. Joel's there. Stacia's there. Our old roommate's there. Lovely's there doing hair and makeup. It's kind of crazy. So this is this year's family picture with the theme. You got it, Caesar? Is there music? There we go. Family picture. So that's on the Star of India. Little Pirates Caribbean theme. If you wonder why I had a beard all through November, I was like, this is why. And then I, once that picture's done, I was like, shaved. But anyway, so that was this year's tiny picture. So the smoke and everything that's going on. And if you want to see more, it's on a Instagram, she posted a whole bunch of them. And then there's, um, let me just show you a few more just because, because I can. Here's, I think, uh, last year's one. This is the, uh, I call this the Bridger Tevis. <laughs> Bridger Tevis is in Point Loma. Um, my son and I really love, we love putting on hair and makeup that day. 
That's amazing. So thank you. Love, love you. Did a good, good job doing hair and makeup. So there you go. That's good. Trish is right there. And then here's another one. I think, uh, what's this one? I think I have another one. This is the, at the Met Gala. We woke up like at two in the morning and stood outside of the Balboa thing. People walking by, my kids and us are embarrassed. We're like, this is kidding me. It's freezing. That's the Met Gala. I don't have a, a cool name for it yet because I still don't know what the Met Gala was. I guess it's something in Hollywood. I don't know. Um, and then I think uh, one of my favorite ones we did in a studio, this is called the, uh, the Druno Mars. <laughs> the Druno Mars photo with a real dog, kind of like Duke over there with the yacht rock. I don't know what that is, but there you go. So I want you, this is where we're going to transition. I want you to notice something about these photos of Trisha's vision. Who is the person that's most in focus? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I didn't have to even say. She's like, Drew, you're not going to. Yes. Trish, in her vision, she is like the most important piece. We are supporting actors on the side. And the picture that gets posted is always the one where Trish is just like, like we do. We, we get the picture we look the best in, right? Like, if any kid is just looking at the camera, we're going with it, and Trish is like, that's the one. This is the one. So, but this is Trish's vision. And like most, when we think of, uh, I'm going to speak to vision today, we think of the word vision, typically in the secular world, we think of like BHAG, right? Big, hairy, audacious goals. You heard of that? BHAG goals. Astronomical goals, a picture of our preferred future, we have these goals, and then what we do for the rest of the year, we have an action plan to manage and then maintain and measure these metrics so we can achieve. And if we stick to the plan, we do A plus B plus C equals D, dollar, 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 bills, right? Success. And it does work in the secular world, in the corporate world, sometimes even in ministry. We have very, uh, we bring a secular understanding into vision and goals and metrics and maintaining and managing and progress. And some of you love this. You're goal achievers, you're high achievers. You're... For others, maybe, it's anxiety. <laughs> I just already failed at the beginning of the, of the year. I'm just already negative points. When we speak to vision today, we think of like the word vision in the Bible. What verse comes to mind? You may know Proverbs 29:18, right? Where there is no vision, what happens? People perish. That lingers over us as pastors. Like, where's there's no vision? People are going to die. Like, oh my gosh. I better think of a compelling vision and a plan. What an what a action plan of ABC. And we got to, that could be my goodness. But the word vision in the, in the biblical sense means um, to perceive. To perceive, it's a revelation from God. So we think it shifts from my personal goal, achieving my personal vision, where I'm at the center of my vision, no dig on Trish, right, <laughs> to God being at the center of your vision. We want to help us refocus our vision to God's vision. Does that make sense? So becoming people who focus and have God's vision for our life, because you can have, it's okay to have your own vision and have goals and, and the same way you get, um, you know, you're building or you want to get shredded, it's goals, right? But 
Let me pray today as I speak about vision. I'm going to talk about, again, how to become people who focus on God's vision. But then I want to kind of explore these two obstacles, these myths that we tend to believe or we tend to run into when we share God's vision and God's heart with people. So I'm going to kind of dive into these, these myths or these, these, these lies we believe in, in human nature, and then I'll kind of end with maybe two takeaways and, and two challenges. So that's how it's going to go. Forgive me, we don't have the little handout of, of, the, of the notes. Why? Because it was raining, and I don't want to drive in the rain to the office and make that sound. Just kidding. I was coming back. I had anxiety this, this, this week, right? So let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for having a supernatural vision for our life. We invite you into our life. We invite you to reshape our hearts, that your word would penetrate the deepest places of our souls, that your word in us would transform us, would refocus us, would challenge us, would encourage us as you're with us, that, Lord, we know it is already finished. We don't have to do anything for you to love us more. We only have to receive. We only have to realize that we're home free <laughs> and that we're seated with, with you. Help us, Lord, to carry your vision as we go about our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so... What was God focused on? We look at Jesus' life. God came to earth through Jesus. What did Jesus, what was his focus? He said he came to what? John 10, 10, we say this all the time. To give us full and abundant life and eternal life. That's why Jesus came. That was his focus. Full and abundant life, John 10, 10. And he said, I have come so you may have eternal life. So both abundantly full life and eternal life abundantly full is fully connected to the person of jesus who is jesus he's the life and he's the light of the world amen a full life is fully surrendering to jesus and being indwelled by the power of the holy spirit that it overflows our life into every area of our life and we're supernatural life. Amen? I get excited about that. That's what Jesus promised us. That's his focus. And then he also said eternal life. Eternal life isn't something just like fire insurance when you die. He says, now this is eternal life. He said, this is it, that you know me and the one whom you sent, a relationship with Jesus who is life, who is the light of the world. So both, that is his vision for your life. How did then Jesus go about living that life? What did he demonstrate? And we say this a lot at Loa Church, and I usually end up on the last one of why the Son of Man came. And it says here, I think I have it up on the screen. Um, where do you have it? Do you have it up there, Caesar? Luke 19.10. Jesus says, I have come to seek and to save the lost, right? That's why he came. Jesus didn't say, please go get people and bring them to me so I can tell them about this. Jesus himself went out seeking and saving the lost. Make sense? He didn't post up in a building. <laughs> he went out seeking and saving the lost. Lost people are searching. It's not a bad thing. 
if you're lost. I get lost all the time without my Waze app, right? Malka, Makai, I don't know, in San Diego. It's 8 East, right? We get lost because we're searching. People who are lost are searching for truth. Well, lost people aren't looking for that really in the church service. They're looking for it in the beaches, the bars, the gyms, the corporate world, in sports, right? They're all, they're lost. Jesus went out seeking to save the lost. And then Matthew 20, 20, 28 says, he came to serve and to give his life for a ransom of many. So he humbled himself and he served. He slowed down his life enough to notice the needs of his community and he helped people. He healed them. He prayed for them. But then he retreated because he didn't, he didn't come just to have a large healing ministry or to be like, to have a big following, right? He had a mission. So that's ours. That should, our focus should be on the same thing that Jesus focused on. Our mission is to help others find full and eternal life. Simple. Our vision, what we're about, helping people find full and abundant life and eternal life. That's both. Two obstacles. Sounds easy, right? So simple, but very difficult in our post-church world. Where America, I felt, used to protect church. Now, of all the religions, it seems like everybody just hates on, bashes on Christianity, right? It's like, it's just, we're not as protected, I think. And I don't want to get into that, but uh, it's tough. Christianity can almost be seen as hate speech in the future. That's tough. So in a post-church world, people aren't looking for that in a church service. There's obstacles, but the obstacles are more than just that government stuff. It comes from, number one, if you're taking notes, it's our human desire for religion. I know it sounds weird because you're like, religion? I don't want to be religious. Nobody wants to be religious. Everyone is religious and they don't know it. Secularism, humanism, right? Workism, workout religion, secularism. There's a book David Zoll wrote. It's about it seculosity. All the facets of people, because we are religious by nature. We're religious by nature. Even Adam and Eve in the fall, they had communion with God, and they're like, nah, we're going to go over here because we know better. We want a system. We like systems of progress and betterment and improvement. We want to know how to get better and improve right? That's religion. It's man-made. It's human nature by default. I think uh, Trish is reading this book. It was a highly on our book. It's by Dane Ortland. It's called Gentle and Lowly. Good read. Um, I'm going to read it right now to you, but he talks about our law, law-ish hearts. Our law-ish hearts. Our religious hearts. Um, you can be even in Christianity, relationship in the Bible, you can be uh, partially correct, but still incomplete, okay? So we could read scripture and know scripture and know, know a lot of, okay, I, I think I get it, but partially complete, like partially right, like you're right, but it's not, it's not complete. Does it make sense? Let me give you an example. We know Jesus tells us how to live. I created it all, right? Alpha, omega, beginning and the end, creator of heaven and earth. 
He created male and females. He created marriage. He created sex. He created, he created the ability to make finances. He created these, so we know these, these patterns, these patterns of things. And sometimes we think our lawless hearts would think like, if I just follow that pattern and that plan, okay, that's correct. If I follow the pattern plan, then my life is going to turn out the way I want it to. That's incomplete. Make sense? Is that if I follow the progress and the good systems and I follow all the shouts and the thou shall nots, even if you were able to follow all the shouts, and be careful what I say here, right? And the thou shall nots, even if you could follow all that, you could still miss Jesus is life. Amen? Because Jesus is life, not the system, not the rules. And by the way, all the laws are there to show us we can't. We need a Savior. We're sinners. But even in our sinful nature, we think, ah, I don't know, I'm going to grade it on a, on a curve. There's something inside of us, inside of some people, the myth that if I follow these rules, my life will turn out this way because Jesus owes me. Moralism, religiousness, the lawish hearts puts Jesus in our debt. Does that make sense? It's like, hey, Lord, I, I did all these things and I'm doing all the stuff, that, like, but then when life doesn't turn out the way I want, oftentimes we see people, what happens? They withdraw from Jesus, or they withdraw from, I guess, the church community, right? And we've seen this happen before. We're like, what happened to so-and-so? I thought they were like all in. They were serving, and they were giving, and they were on the, t and then what happened? It didn't work out for them. That, what didn't work out? Yeah, following the law didn't work, because it's not supposed to work out that, that way. The law shows you need a savior. You need Jesus, who is life. We want you to have full and abundant life. Life himself is Jesus. You can be partially correct, but incomplete. 1 John 5, 11 through 12 says this, And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life. Say eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life. Three times he says life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. It's about having the Son of God, about the Redeemer. Amen? <clears throat> I said, moral lens put Jesus in your debt. I kind of memorized. This is good. I, I went really far. So is this, you guys think, is, is this us? Is this us? Is, is this you? Yes. <laughs> this is part of this lives in us. It's the tension that we wrestle with. It's an obstacle. As we begin to share, what are we sharing with people? The system, the pattern, the law. If you do this, 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 this would happen. And then some of us, maybe we do pretty good at this. And like when we see other people and stuff happens, what do we tend to do inside? We never say this. Well, that's what they get. That's what, that's, that's what happens. See, that's what happens if you don't go to church. That's what happens if, if you, uh, whatever, live together before you're married. That's what happens when you don't tithe. That's what happens when you do this. That's what happens when you show your kids our, our movies. That's what happens. 
you're, you're being, trying to perfect yourself in the flesh. So Paul talks about that. Perfecting yourself in the flesh. Be very careful. Don't think, I know someone like this. Yeah, you. This is us. This is me. Okay? <clears throat> By the way, we don't want what we think we deserve. Right? We don't want what we deserve. I didn't think I deserve to be blessed. I deserve. Oh, what you deserve is what? Death. Sinners. Trespass. Pay the penalty of death. Don't be so self-righteous where you think, I'm be kind of becoming the kind of person that saves for. You become the kind of person that Jesus didn't have to die for you anymore, right? Like, oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> Jesus died for us. He died for me. I'm a sinner. This isn't the mess- That's not the message of the Bible, right? All 66 books is not a moral code. All 66 books is the narrative story of a redemption story. Redeem means bought back with a price. Lost people from the garden, separated by God. The whole Bible points to a Savior, coming Messiah, who's going to redeem us back, to buy us back, going from orphans to adoption, right? We're adopted. God's our Father. Jesus ain't no errand boy, right? He's not a butler. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords, maker of heaven and earth. He is life itself. All things are, have life because of Jesus is life. It's himself. We have life. Even the person we think it was so far from Jesus is really alive because of who? Jesus. We just have to point that out in people's lives. You're already home free and you don't know it. The gospel is good news for them. I say not potential news when they come to church. Then it's good. No, it's good news. They're home free. Their sins are forgiven. They just haven't received it. They haven't acknowledged it. They don't believe that yet. They're trying to achieve it, and they're trying to earn it through all these things. And Jesus says, I've come to give you abundant life. Amen, church? Good, good. Good stuff. You guys are listening. As for you, as for you, as for me, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, Ephesians 2, 5. Two, you got it? You can read this. I don't have notes today. Is it up, th- up there, Caesar? You got it? No? I missed it? No, no, that's okay. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were naughty by nature. It says naughty, it says nature. Deserving of wrath, but because of his great love, <laughs> because of his great love, Jesus' love, because of Jesus' love for us, God who is Rich in mercy. We sang that worship song. He's rich in mercy. Rich in mercy. He's, he's all mercy. Mercy is giving us what we don't deserve, right? Made us alive with Christ, even when you were dead in your transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Love that verse. That's the gospel. So redeemed people... Realize this and praise God. We're in his debt. Moral lens, law-ish, puts Jesus in our debt. Make sense? You could be 
partially correct but incomplete and miss life, miss full life, miss the whole point of God's word and church and serving and giving and loving. Amen? We don't do these things for God's approval. We don't do it for his love. We do it, what? From his love. We don't come to church to earn, of, oh man, I got to go to church and then I got to read my Bible and do these things so that I get in good grace with God. And like, you missed it. That's not, that's not the point. That's, you, 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 that's not it. That's not life. Get it? It's love. So number one, obstacle, our lawish hearts, our heart for religion. Number two, this is a good one. The life isn't for me, man. Right? That life, it's not for me. I didn't choose the abundant life. The abundant life chose me, bro. All right? The number one thing that keeps us from experiencing God's presence is the myth that this type of life, full and abundant, eternal life, is offered to only a certain kind of person. And that kind of person, that's not me. That's that kind of person. Right? We have this idea. We see people pray or build and pray, and you're like, oh, well, that's a, that's, I'm not that. That's for them. Because then we think, my goodness, maybe I'm overlooked. God overlooked me. Or we have so many people just living with guilt and shame of a dark past. Like, my goodness, before college, maybe I was that kind of person, but my goodness, man, those couple years at San Diego State, no dig on San Diego State, I don't know, I didn't go there. Any college, whatever, right? Whoo, that's some stuff. I did some stuff that just, um, nope, off the list, right? You know, or whatever it is. Or there's some stuff that you've done in secret, like there's no way God's going to, that, no, I've outsinned the cross. That's what you're saying. I'm not the kind of person. Being disqualified. That's a myth. That's a myth. That is an obstacle and a tension that we deal with because of our earning. And that's an obstacle that we'll run into as we share the good news with people. That's not for me, right? I was with someone from our church somewhere, and the girl said, oh, man, if I went there, that place would burn down. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, are you serious? Like, that's a typical response, right? That's for you. Truth, John 1. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. What's that word? Life. Jesus is life. Maybe the title of the sermon should have been Jesus' life. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Darkness cannot overcome the light. Praise Jesus. A little bit of light dispels darkness. Darkness runs from light. If you ever went to a dark house and you open the bedroom door, right? Usually light comes out anyway, but you open the door and it's lit. It doesn't, the light doesn't stay behind this door, right? And then you're in the dark. The light just cannot just burst out. Amen? Amen. I love that. Look at the heroes of the faith. Moses, David, all these people, right? I call them, my dad calls them all these bananas. Look at all these bananas. Look at all those donkeys. 
God can use those bananas and those turkeys and those hamburgers. All my dad coaching, which all, all, all my friends, right? Hey, hamburgers, bananas, donkeys. Hey, dad, you love us? Just kidding. Sorry, dad. I love you too. God can use all them. He can use us. Look at the murderers, adulterers. They did some crazy stuff. And the disciples. Are you kidding me? Disciples? These guys did some dumb stuff. Right? Sons of Thunder. Right? James and John. Those guys kicked some, kick some you know what, right? Those are some hammers. Yeah? Those were some hammers. You know what that means? You're a hammer? Yeah. You're a hammer. Someone's done the nail, right? These guys are just tough. Woked out dudes, right? What? You know? They were the guys that were like, hey, Jesus, in that town, no one wants to hear the gospel. Send some fire and burn them all. That's what they said. Jesus like, calm down. Easy, buddy. <laughs> Jesus used those guys. If this life isn't for you, then who's it for? If eternal life and abundant life is not for you, who's it, who's it for, right? It's for me. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Jesus. And we're still becoming this as we learn and we, like, let the light come in and life come in and dispel darkness in our life. And we, my goodness. I will mention a quote from this book because Trish is all jazzed up on it, right? Got a quote. I like to mention quotes. This sounds smarter. <clears throat> they, these books, kind of, they say it better in a way. It gives us kind of language we could like architect our theology around, right? Like we know what the Bible says, and then we read a book. It kind of like says things in different ways. They use different language, and they kind of construct the word pictures and stories. And we're like, oh, that's what I've been trying to say. Make sense? That's why I read some books. It's really good. But read the Bible. Uh, go away. Read some books. <clears throat> Not really they said that. Favorite author. Just kidding. <laughs> <clears throat> Stick to the notes. The Christian life, <laughs> the Christian life from one angle is the long journey of letting our natural assumption about who God is over many decades fall away, being slowly replaced with God's own, what is that word? Insistence, Trish? My goodness. <clears throat> On who it is, right? The fall, Genesis 3. Not only, it's not a long quote. Not only send us into condemnation and exile through the sin of Adam and Eve, the fall also entrenched in our minds dark thoughts of God. Thoughts that are only dug out over multiple exposures to the gospel over many years. Okay? You get saved, completely saved, but there's some things we got to work out, right? Becoming people like this. Back to the quote. Perhaps Satan's greatest victory in your life today is not the sin in which you regularly indulge, but the dark thoughts of God's heart that cause you to go there in the first place and keep you cool toward him in the wake of it. Man, it's good stuff, right? Love that. <clears throat> so here is two takeaways. Number one, decide on your next step. We're in a journey. We all come from different places, starting points, hurts, traumas, ages, stages in life, dealing with seculosity or the religion of your, the drug of your choice, right? I just call it, now I call it a drug because it's addicting. The religion of is a drug. It's human nature. 
what's your next step? Perhaps it's a personal relationship with Jesus. Repenting. Oh, the word repent. Repent, the word means, it's a Greek word, metanoia, means change your mind. Change your mind. How you used to think about God, now it's a complete picture of God. Changing your mind is repenting. Although in religious law-ish, it's like change your behavior, right? Behavior, behavior, behavior. <clears throat> change mind leads to change behaviors. What's your next step? Two, ask for the Holy Spirit to fill you for the empowerment to share God's word with your neighbors, right? Love others. Love God. You obey God. Love others. Love your neighbors. Ask him, how do I love my neighbor and serve my neighbor? It could be in small things. I live on my street. There's elderly, I take in their trash cans. Easy. I got it, right? Thank you. We have 10-minute conversations. Show up to the baseball park yesterday for Duke's assessment. I'm sitting there. All the parents just watching. They don't want, they're just like, let the coaches do it. I'm like, can I help? Can I help? Sure, you know what I got to, to do? Awesome. I got to run, put the balls in the ball, ball machine. And just like, poof, poof, poof. Angle it a little bit, you know. Boom, ooh. ooh. Take, take, take a bean, kid. It's okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Walk it off, buddy. That's a base. You know? Turn it up. I'll just, this is all I got to do. Volunteering. Great. Serving my community. Awesome. And then picking up stuff. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. No lie. This is kidding my brain. The other day, well, I was in Vaughn's yesterday, last night, trying to get some dinner. You know, it's all crowded. Everybody's just like, move, right? All this, like, freeway. <clears throat> I saw this lady coming. I moved over, and I was like, come. That's all I did. And she was like, thank you so much, young man. That's so kind of you. Oh, my gosh. I had a bad. I was like, wow. That's all. I just pulled over and said, come. I slowed down. Just little, That's it. I know. I don't want to share all the things I do because I want those rewards in heaven, right? Because I just got a reward right now. That was a reward. I'm like, well, you're a pastor, serving people, right? Lots of balls of kids. <laughs> I don't know if I'll get a reward in heaven for that one anyway, but like there's some things that you can do. You don't got to tell people about. That's between you and Jesus. You're going to get rewarded for that. It's beautiful, right? There's some things that church, that we, we don't want to put everything on the Instagram and like that's not, a, we're not about doing marketing, we want to do ministry, right? Is that like a tweet? Is that a tweet? I don't, I don't tweet it. I don't want on Twitter. <laughs> I'm barely on the gram, bro. Instagram official. All right. Number two, two takeaways. Okay, let's do this one. Your vision needs to include more than just attending church on Sunday. Most, I think, Christians' vision when it comes to New Year is like, I'm going to go to church on Sunday, three out of four Sundays a month, crush the average. Instead of once, I'm going to church on Sunday. Your vision needs to include way more than just church attendance, okay? We don't take attendance. We don't really even count. There's other people here. You're here, great. Oh, you meet people, oh, pastor, I got to come back to church. Or like, what? Like, just, you can just be with Jesus every day. Love God, love people, saturate yourself, be in community with people, be in fellowship with people, slow down, right? Love people. That is like the full and abundant life. We know churches, we have one service, and it's long, okay? So if you do miss services and you're here on a Sunday, you're here for maybe like four hours. That's really good, right? That's good. That's great. Your vision needs to include more than going to church on Sundays. 
because I've sensed and seen in the West, in San Diego, most Christians' idea or vision for their spiritual growth is Sunday service. Ah, let's elevate and focus our vision to what Jesus has vision for your life. Worship team, you guys come up. 11.13, oh my goodness, got to cut these down. Right, because research shows, research shows that most people come to have a relationship with Jesus through personal friendships, relational discipleship, and personal, we use the word evangelism, right? That brings up a lot of church stuff, but most people who are lost and looking for full life aren't looking for it. They're not looking, where is the closest service by my house, church service? We are the hands and feet of Jesus. We live our life on mission, out. And then we gather here where I think it's safe. We don't have to pretend. We can share pictures of our life, right? Clown on our wives. Just kidding. <laughs> That's what the dads do. Just joking. Wives, we know you clown on us. <laughs> you laughing, guys. Right? We can say my struggles. Here's my anxieties, my worries, and we can build each other up. You come to worship, hear the good news. It's good news, and it's encouraging news. I feel like you should always leave a service encouraged, not like with a bunch of more already to-dos to fill your already exhausted life. Like, huh, I don't want to go there. I encourage you. Get prayed for. We invite our prayer team up here on the side, right? They love you. They can hold your stuff. They're very well differentiated. Practice that word for all week. And pray for you. Prayer for anxiety. Prayer for healing. Pray for your kids. I'm praying for my son, Duke, who has a crazy some five-hour surgery this Thursday, right? There's a lot of other people who have health problems, physical problems, just a lot of different issues. If you don't share it, we're not going to can't pray for you. Confess your sins to one another, the Bible says, and hold that. Not hold that against them, but hold that, you know. That's what church is, a community, and in many churches throughout the week. And I said before, many churches start like, can you start this mini church? Or, yes, you, we can start as much as we want. Stay a while. Meet somebody. Give them the sniff test. You know what that means? Like, can I hang out with this person outside of here? Is this okay? Yes, let's get together and get some coffee. There you go. That's a mini church. And if you want to invite more people, you can, we can put it on our website and you can invite more people. A mini church is just two, three couples, two, three people getting together, reading the word, loving each other, talking about scripture. That's a mini church. Yeah? Stamp of approval. You got it. Love you guys. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for focusing your vision and mission, why you came to give us full life. The full verse <laughs> says, the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. What does he destroy? Our full, complete understanding of Scripture. He destroys the full gospel and allows us to believe the myth of law and rules and religion. <clears throat> the enemy steals relationships, 
He steals our joy. He steals our hope. He renders us, we feel, incapable, inadequate, overlooked, marginalized, too young, too old, too whatever. But you give us full, abundant life. And we can experience eternal life here on earth. Help us to be vision carriers. Help us slow down and not feel like we have to have all the answers. You live in us. You are life in us. We're connected to you. And you'll give us the answers when we listen with our hearts and not try to fix people. Father, I pray that those who come up for prayer would be vulnerable and open and candid, and we can pray. We lift up Prayer House this Saturday. What a beautiful thing to open up Station and Roommates House of Hospitality of all-day prayer and worship. People come in for prayer and leave and sit and marinate in prayer. Many churches are involved. Many people are involved. It's a beautiful thing of unity in San Diego. So beautiful. We pray that the, the coffee we gave them would last the whole time. <laughs> but Lord, importantly, that they would uh, endure. It's going to be very weary in there. Worship leaders and Michael and Kaylee and Stacia, and it just that's, could be draining in a spiritual battle. We pray over the home. We pray over all the homes that host people in their homes. That we see our homes as tools. We see our finances as tools. We see the stuff we have as just a tool for the kingdom of God. We live open-handed. This life is fast. Lord, help us to focus our vision, invite people in, and love them as you would. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Aloha Church Podcast. If you want to learn more about living free in Jesus, please reach out to us. We hope God spoke something wonderful and life-giving to you today. Until next time, lots of love and aloha. Aloha.